0: Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. It is the biggest week of the college football season. We've got big games all over the place, quarterfinal matchups in Ohio, and of course, three Thanksgiving games going on in the NFL. BetOnline has you covered with all the props, odds, promos, and parlays. Use our promo code Believe. that's B-L-E-A-V, when you sign up with the link in the description to this episode to get a 50% welcome bonus. BetOnline, where the game starts. <laughs> of the take it easy podcast live on the believe podcast network except it isn't live because it is as always a podcast welcome 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 everybody it is wednesday november 23rd according to my count it may not be that according to your count But we appreciate you stopping in however and whenever it is that you may be listening. We have got a fantabulous show coming at you here today. We are gonna have a long form conversation about one of the greatest trades in the history of the NFL. Call it an oral history. I haven't done one of these segments in a while. By the way, if you click the CKSAML Productions link, you can hear all of our old oral histories about teams and moments and trades and such. Today, we're going to do an oral history segment as we get into the weekend, and we're going to jump right into it because I have done research. I have done all sorts of fact-gathering and information-gathering and writing. I've done some writing in order to set the stage for this story, a story that I have been wanting to tell, and I have been telling in passing for years now, which is about the most even trade in the history of the NFL. And last week when we had Minnesota take on Buffalo, I brought this up in meme form once again over on Comical Sports Memes, the Instagram page we run, you can check out. And it's the most popular post in the second iteration of the CSM page. Got over 10,000 likes. People really engaged with it in the comment section. So I thought this is the perfect time to build out an oral history segment about the most even trade in the history of trades within the NFL. You know how people sometimes say you can't. there's always a winner and a loser in a deal. In business, someone's going to win and someone's going to lose. Well, I don't think that is possible when we're talking about the context of this trade. There are only winners. Everyone gets to be a winner, and it will go down, I believe, as quite possibly the most even trade in the history of professional sports we're going to get to that here today on the show. And since it involves the party of the Buffalo Bills, I will take any chance we can get to play our Buffalo Bills parody song set to Sun Goes Down by Lil Nas X because I spent three hours making it. And so any chance I get to play this three minute clip, I'm going to take it, especially on a podcast that once again, for like the third time in eight days, is going to be Buffalo Bills heavy. And it's a wide open. Touchdown, Buffalo. Davis again. You throw a fourth T D on a dime, you ain't got no fear of any Colts or dolphins. Josh Allen gets Bills the wins. You want to play the Chiefs. And to beat Andy Reid and his schemes, avenging your past mistakes. And take the Bills to the big game. Three years, I thought you was phony. Got digs, then you flipped it on me. I was thinking you were Carson Wentz. You made your mark, became an MVP. Deep throws, always looking daunting. Tossed up to Davis and McKenzie. It's hard for teams to deny it. When Allen beats double safeties You keep losing to Mahomes Sitting on the bench 13 to go Overtime coin flips turned up wrong Makes your season seem so marginal And this year you'll find a way Gonna get past Kansas City Allen and the Bills are gonna be Super Bowl champs 2023 Oh, I want I wanna run the ball, don't wanna slide, I just wanna dive Send me the call, and I'll throw the ball I wanna run the ball, don't wanna slide, I'm just gonna dive Send me the call, and I'll throw the ball You throw a fourth TD On a dime you ain't got no fear of any colts or dolphins Josh Allen gets Bills the wins You want to play the Chiefs And to beat Andy Reid in his schemes Avenging your past mistakes And take the Bills to the big game All right, so the most even trade in the history of the NFL. By now, you've probably read the title to this episode and read the description and maybe skipped ahead a little bit. Maybe you saw this post on Instagram and followed up with the podcast. It is the Buffalo Bills and Minnesota Vikings 2020 trade in which the Buffalo Bills sent the 22nd pick in the 2020 NFL draft to Minnesota in exchange for wide receiver Stefan Diggs. And to begin the oral history of this trade, let's go back to Stefan Diggs's time in Minnesota. Stefan Diggs was a fifth round pick by Minnesota. He came from Maryland. He's actually from little nearby in Maryland, uh, Gaithersburg, Gaithersburg is how I believe it's pronounced, but Stefan Diggs is from Maryland, attended the University of Maryland, and his brother also is Trayvon Diggs, who happens to be in the NFL. So Stefan Diggs goes to local Maryland college, ends up having a great career, Maryland teams that I believe during Stefan Diggs' time at Maryland had a losing record during his four seasons there. I might be incorrect in that assessment, but I'm going to go on a limb and say Maryland football during Stefan Diggs's four seasons had a losing record. Let me calculate it real quick for you here. Maryland, in the years of Randy Etsall finished 2-10, 4-8, 7-6, and 7-6. That comes out to a record of... 20 and 30 that is a 20 and 30 record in stefan diggs's time at the university of maryland so they lose a lot they lost two bowl games including the military bowl and the foster farms bowl maryland was just a team and stefan diggs was a fifth round pick who played at the local school and ended up having a great career and so stefan diggs gets drafted to minnesota immediately puts up big numbers after getting there. Like, it's pretty clear that he was undervalued in the draft. I, I was actually reminding myself of Stefan Diggs' career stats in Minnesota because in my mind, I had always assumed Stefan Diggs would be a Hall of Famer because of combining his time in Minnesota with Buffalo. Like, this is someone who was getting Geico commercials for his time in Minnesota. And Stefan Diggs had... 900 yards his second season in the league he only played in 13 games that year so he never did have a fully healthy season but played 13 games and would have had a thousand yards with a full season had 850 yards the following year in 2017 and then 2018 his first year with Kirk Cousins Stefan Diggs ended up putting up a thousand yards for the first time in his career and had over 100 receptions for the first time in his career. So that was when Stephon Diggs kind of found his niche as the number one. I think for the first three years of his career, it was kind of a toss-up between him and Thielen as to who was the number one player on the team. And the reason Minnesota was able to go to that uh, NFC Championship game, remember in 2017 with Case Keenum and the Minnesota Miracle and the team that got smoked by Nick Foles but still made it to the NFC Championship game with Case Keenum... I mean, The reason they were able to get to that place is because you had Thielen, Diggs, and Dalvin Cook, even though that was the year Dalvin Cook tore his ACL, you had all of these skill position players and defensive players who they drafted well and got on cheap contracts. I mean, Anthony Barr was still on his rookie contract at that point, Xavier Rhodes was still on his rookie contract, Daniel Hunter, Everson Griffin, these were all players that were on cheap contracts who had been drafted by the team, and Thielen as an incredible story that we've talked about before on this show, Thielen played at the local division two college and then ended up signing undrafted to the practice squad. And he's one of these classic stories that we all claim we love in sports where he goes from local college signed to the practice squad well, cut by the practice squad signed to the practice squad plays on special teams, makes the roster as the seventh receiver out of six because he, that's how deep under the roster Thielen was. Goes from sixth receiver to third receiver, has a breakout season, and then becomes the number one, number two receiver as an undrafted guy. He's a restricted free agent, so he doesn't get a big contract until his third contract in the NFL. Like they found incredible value at these skill position pieces. And because of that, they were able to make an NFC championship run with Case Keenum. And then all that extra money they had at their disposal allowed them to, during the 2018 offseason, sign Kirk Cousins who is the first I guess Kirk Cousins is the best quarterback to hit free agency really since Drew Brees in 2004 or Peyton Manning in 2012 which is more so the low bar of players who hit free agency like when you have a quarterback you don't let them go and the NFL system is designed in such a way where those players never get to hit free agency Kirk Cousins was just the unique situation where he bet on himself and took the franchise tag for two seasons, but also didn't start his first two seasons because he was behind RG3. So it it was like Kirk Cousins only had one year of NFL experience when he came up for his contract and he played on the franchise tag for two seasons and then Washington let him go and Minnesota signed him to an 84 million dollar fully guaranteed contract which at the time made him the highest paid quarterback in the nfl and the reason minnesota was able to do that was because Diggs was on a rookie contract thielen was on a price controlled contract because he was undrafted and his second contract was only allowed to be so much money um you had dalvin cook on the rookie contract and you had everson griffin and daniel hunter and anthony barr and xavier rhodes all-on-rookie contracts, and you had Harrison Smith, who is a high-priced player, but still a, a worth the value that he was putting on the field for Minnesota during those seasons, and so the Vikings end up signing Kirk Cousins. First year with Kirk Cousins, Stephon Diggs, after the, the Minnesota Miracle game, Stephon Diggs has his first 1,000-yard season and his first 100-reception season of his career with Minnesota, and that is the year, if you remember, they played Chicago at home the last game of the season in a win and in playoff scenario. And Minnesota ended up losing. And that was the game where Thielen's yelling at Kirk Cousins on the sidelines. And the following season, they come back and they start the year two and three. And this was when we first started doing this podcast. I was a freshman in college with incredibly poor audio quality. And I remember that season, they started two and three. They were set up to play the Giants, and they were favored in that game, but they weren't favored by a number you would come to expect when talking about Minnesota against uh, a pretty bad New York Giants team who was, I guess, on their way to having the number four pick in the draft. And I remember that week, Kirk Cousins went on Adam Thielen's podcast and was basically like, I am not holding up my end of the bargain as a quarterback and was like on the verge of tears through that. And I remember that moment and thinking like, okay, if this doesn't go their way, this is where it all starts to fall apart. Cause I don't know if Minnesota is going to be able to recover from two and four. And that 12 game stretch right after that ended up being the best 10 to 12 game stretch of Kirk Cousins career. He wasn't going to win MVP or anything like that, but he was kind of in the top 10 camp for MVP that year, because Kirk Cousins, I believe, was putting up similar numbers to what Jimmy Garoppolo is doing this year in San Francisco, where it's like 14 touchdowns and only two interceptions, and the Vikings ran off a bunch of wins back to back to back. And so what ended up, yeah, Kirk Cousins actually made the Pro Bowl that year. So there you go. Kirk Cousins was a Pro Bowler in 2019, um, with a season, I'm looking up, 26 touchdowns, six interceptions, threw for 3,600 yards, which was less than his normal passing total, but um, the Minnesota Vikings didn't necessarily ask that much of him. That's part of why Stephon Diggs had 100 receptions, despite the fact his pre- previous career high was only, at the time, his previous career high in receptions was only 84. And the 2019 season, he ends up becoming more of a deep ball threat. And Kirk Cousins ends up working the middle with Dalvin Cook, et cetera, et cetera. And so, what basically happens is Stephon Diggs' his touches go down, but his yards go up. And he goes from being ten yards a reception, thirteen yards a reception, thirteen yards a reception, ten yards a reception, the first four years of his career, to the last year in Minnesota, he averages eighteen yards per reception. So they're using him in the deep ball game for the most part and his touchdowns don't really go up either just as a byproduct of having less targets and the Vikings using more running based scheme and so when they make that switch you see Stefan Diggs reach a place where that's not the type of football that he wants to play or feels is best for his career the Vikings end up making the playoffs that year remember they beat the 13 win Saints in the wild card game that year, the overtime game where Kirk Cousins throws the deep bomb to Adam Thielen that sets up the game-winning touchdown. That was the year that they end up winning that playoff game with Kirk Cousins, and then they get smoked by the 49ers in the divisional round. But after that game, it's basically a foregone conclusion and, and in some parts, a mutual parting of ways that this is going to be Stefan Diggs' last season, not just because of the offense that Minnesota wants to run with Thielen being more of the reception guy, And a run-based offense at the time led by Stefanski and would ultimately be taken over by Clint Kubiak after Stefanski ends up leaving to go to the Cleveland Browns. Once you have Pat Shermer leave to take the—there was one year of Gary Kubiak in there, too, but— you you have two different Kubiaks for two years as the offensive play caller in Minnesota. And so what ends up happening is Stefanski takes over and the offense isn't tailored to what they're doing with Stefan Diggs, where Stefan Diggs is a big receptions guy, but they want to move the ball, not with the short field. They want to use big passing game and short field thelen and running the ball. And so... Diggs's skill set kind of becomes a wash in that offense. Diggs doesn't want to play there anymore, and it's been vocal that he's had issues with Kirk Cousins in the past. Although Kirk Cousins did say last week when Minnesota was playing Buffalo that Diggs made clear it wasn't him. It wasn't about Kirk Cousins being the reason that he wanted to leave. It was just something he needed to do for his career in the offense that they were trying to run. And so we get to March after the Vikings lose that playoff game to San Francisco, and Stephon Diggs, who again at this point in his career has gone for 900 yards three times, he's gone for 1,000 yards twice, he's had a 100-reception season early on in his career, Stephon Diggs ends up getting traded to the Buffalo Bills. But if you remember, during that same month when Buffalo was trying to get a number one receiver, They had a trade in place to acquire Antonio Brown from Pittsburgh. The trade at the time Buffalo had the number um, nine pick in the draft and the year before they had just taken Josh Allen, or I guess that would have been, yeah, that would have been a year before they had taken Josh Allen. And so Buffalo ends up offering Pittsburgh a first round pick swap, swapping from nine to 20 In exchange for Antonio Brown, they accept the trade, and then Antonio Brown posts fake news on his Instagram after the trade is announced, and it ends up nuking the entire trade. They had a deal in place to acquire Antonio Brown from Pittsburgh, and Antonio Brown ended up nuking the trade to Buffalo. And then three weeks later, Buffalo pivots to their next best option, which is trading for Stefan Diggs. And when Buffalo ends up trading for Stephon Diggs, they just give up their first round pick in exchange for Stephon Diggs straight up. They give up a low first round pick in value in exchange for a receiver who had played five years in the league, had a hundred reception season, multiple thousand yard seasons. They end up making that flip for Stephon Diggs and they trade the number 22 pick in the draft. And Stephon Diggs had already signed an extension prior to that with Minnesota. He was in year two of that extension at the time of the trade. And so he ends up going to Buffalo with minimal cap hit going against the Minnesota Vikings. They end up saving money on his contract versus the dead cap hit they would receive. They end up saving money to make that trade. And so then we get to the 2020 NFL draft and we have Buffalo already used their first round pick to get Stephon Diggs as their number one, Minnesota having a pretty secure number one receiver at that point, Minnesota using uh, their other draft pick, which they had going into the draft uh, to flip with San Francisco, San Francisco ends up trading up to get Brandon Ayuk at pick 25. So 22 ends up being their first pick of the draft, and if you remember correctly, that's the draft where Henry Ruggs gets selected, and then Jerry Judy gets selected, uh, the Cowboys took CeeDee Lamb right after that at 17, the Dolphins took an offensive lineman, the Raiders took Damon Arnett, Clavon Chason, a bust of a pick by the Jaguars, the pick they got in the Jalen Ramsey trade, and then the Philadelphia Eagles took Jalen Rager, the wide receiver from TCU who did like 400 push-ups a day. They end up taking Jalen Rager at 21, and then you get the famous video of Mike Zimmer and the Minnesota coaching staff all on Zoom, because this was the Zoom pandemic draft, all of them smiling and laughing because they left their guy at pick number 22, which ended up being, of course, Justin Jefferson. And Minnesota takes Justin Jefferson with pick number 22, and there are no additional picks that are associated with this trade. The swap ends up becoming, as simple as it can be, Stefan Diggs for Justin Jefferson. Which I am going to attest and articulate here why this is the most even trade in the history of the NFL. Because... For context, there are decisions that are going to be made in the future that could perhaps skew this in another direction, especially once we start talking about money. What I specifically want to talk about is the last three years since the trade has been made, because what we have now is an entirely new regime in Minnesota that could succeed or fail to build around Justin Jefferson. And we have an entirely different financial situation as it relates to Buffalo because of what Stefan Diggs in order did in order to help develop Josh Allen. And as we talked about in our Buffalo Bills song, made me think three years, I thought you was phony, then you got Diggs and you flipped it on me. Like, you are talking about the development of Josh Allen being helped by the acquisition of Diggs, and it's impossible to put a price In a salary cap sport or otherwise impossible to put a price on just how much value that added to the buffalo bills franchise at large but specifically i want to talk about the last three years and why this is the most even trade in the history of the nfl let's start off with statistics first of all they play the same position so it's easier to do the statistical analysis on this do they play different games yes they do justin jefferson is both a blend but justin jefferson is a do-it-all number one receiver he is a deep threat He is a short yardage guy. He's a yards after catch guy. Justin Jefferson is a do-it-all receiver, like the best in the NFL for many years now. And in the way that they might have gone with Stephon Diggs in transitioning him into being the number one receiver and Thielen as the number two, they did that with Justin Jefferson. Jefferson is the clear number one and only Cooper Cup so far this season had a higher usage rate in the offense among wide receivers. 36% of offensive plays were run through Justin Jefferson. Whether they turned into completions or incompletions or run plays or otherwise, 36% of what the Vikings were doing ran through Justin Jefferson, which was only behind Cooper Cup in terms of usage rate during the early part of the season. So over the first two and a half years so far, they've both played 43 games between Jefferson and Diggs, Both players have played 43 games since the trade in 2020. In those three seasons since, here are their statistics. Uh, We could start out with yards. Justin Jefferson, 4,109. He's first in the league in yards since 2020. Stephon Diggs, uh, 3,793 yards from Stephon Diggs, third in the NFL since 2020. So these two players who were traded for each other were first in yards, third in yards since the trade went down. Uh, Then we could look at receptions. Justin Jefferson's 268 ranks fifth in the NFL. And by the way, Justin Jefferson is not exactly a big receptions guy. They just use him so much in the offense that he is someone who ends up making a top five number of catches. Stephon Diggs, who we think of traditionally as a big yards guy, I'm sorry, a big receptions guy, short yardage guy. Stephon Diggs, second in the league with 306. Only Cooper Cup, who's used on over 40 through 42% of Rams' offensive plays, has more receptions than Stephon Diggs. And by the way, Cooper Cup did it in two less games. So credit to Cooper Cup. Stephon Diggs, second in receptions. Justin Jefferson, fifth in receptions. Uh, then we could go to yards per game. Justin Jefferson's 95.6, second most in the NFL, only behind Devontae Adams. Then you could go to uh, Stephon Diggs, 88.2 yards per game, fourth in the NFL. Then you could go to potentially touchdowns as a statistic that works in this case. Justin Jefferson only has 21. He's ranked tied for 11th in the league. Stephon Diggs, 26, tied for fifth in the NFL. And then you have yards per yards per completion you have justin jefferson 15.3 yards per completion number one in the nfl by the way just as a fun fact that one season in 2019 when Stephon diggs and kirk cousins were playing with each other diggs had 17.9 yards per completion which would be more than justin jefferson's average by nearly two and a half yards like that, when I say they turned Stephon Diggs into a deep threat, they turned him into a deep threat. When you look at the eight years of Stephon Diggs' career, that one 2019 season in Minnesota when Stefanski first got there, it sticks out like a sore thumb in terms of how they changed the way that he played and ultimately led to him getting traded and then becoming a guy who, in his time with the Buffalo Bills, has had the second most receptions in the NFL. As we know, his first season in Buffalo, 127 receptions, 1,500 yards. Last year, he had 103 receptions. This year, he's on pace to have over 110 receptions and already has 1,000 receiving yards on the season. So he's on pace for like 1,500 receiving yards this year for the second time. Stephon Diggs is wild, like really, really good, and so he's a big receptions guy, of course. Justin Jefferson, not a big receptions guy. He's a deep threat, number one in the entire league in yards per completion, while also being fifth in completions. Think about just how wild that is. Justin Jefferson has the most yards per completion and has the fifth most completions. Which is a crazy combination, especially when we're talking about Diggs, who's 18th in yards per completion, but is also second in completions and nearly 40 completions ahead of Justin Jefferson. And again, Jefferson is fifth. They're only three places apart from each other, and Diggs has 40 more catches in the same number of games than Justin Jefferson has. So again, they've played the same number of games. I'm going to run through this real quick. Yards, Justin Jefferson one, Stephon Diggs three. Receptions, Justin Jefferson 5th, Stephon Diggs 2nd. Let me just do that again. Justin Jefferson 5th most receptions, 1st most yards, 1st most yards per completion. Stephon Diggs 2nd most receptions, 3rd most yards, yards per game. Justin Jefferson 2nd, Stephon Diggs 4th. These guys have been the most productive wide receivers in the NFL Two of the four best, two of the three best, you could argue the two best. I think Devontae Adams probably has a claim equal to them and Cooper Cup is right there. And if you add in Terry Kill's season this year, I think he's right in that group. But it's those five and it's everyone else in whatever order you want to mix them up, whether it's Jefferson, Diggs, Adams, they are two of the elite, elite, elite wide receivers in the NFL. And the statistics bear out that they are two of the three best wide receivers in the NFL in the three seasons since their trade for each other. Which then brings me to a second aspect about why this is the most even trade in the history of the NFL, which is the contract situations. In a salary cap sport, it sometimes can be obsessive about value, value, trying to find value within the margins. Um, When they made this flip, this trade ended up being exactly what both teams needed in terms of finding value. What Buffalo needed at the time was a number one receiver very, very badly, considering they were headed into year three with a quarterback who they weren't 100% sure was going to be the quarterback of the future. As our song said at the beginning, three years, I thought he was phony, then he got digs, then he flipped it on me. Like, we didn't know what Josh Allen was, and Josh Allen I thought was Carson Wentz. I thought he was going to be what Carson Wentz is now, where he's kind of rotating and switching jobs, etc., etc., The development of him was helped exponentially by Stephon Diggs, and again, it's hard to place a price on exactly what that was. But let's talk about the numbers themselves, about what their contracts look like. So, Stephon Diggs, in the three seasons since coming over to Buffalo from Minnesota, he made thirty-one million dollars, thirty-one point five to be exact, thirty-one point five million dollars over these three seasons. And if you want to know what percent, OverTheCap.com does a great job where they figure out what percentage of the salary cap each player is occupying. Stephon Diggs over three seasons had an average salary cap valuation of 5%. 5% of the Buffalo Bills salary cap was going to Stephon Diggs. Now as a comparison point, Justin Jefferson, who's been on a rookie contract for the last three years. It's his first three seasons in the NFL. And for those who don't know, when the NFL does their draft position, each slot has an assigned amount of money. There is a a rookie wage scale that assigns certain dollar values to players in such a way that there are certain quarterbacks in college football right now and certain star players in college football right now who are making more money than a second and third round pick in the NFL draft, there is numbers that back this up. The second and third round picks in the NFL draft are making less money than many star college players right now, and so for Justin Jefferson being picked twenty second in the draft, slotted in his three years at eight point two million dollars combined over the three seasons, it comes out to an average of about two point seven million per season, somewhere between two point seven and two point eight, but basically. 2.75 million each season for 3 seasons for Justin Jefferson his percentages of the salary cap according to overthecap.com 1.2% in 2020, 1.6% in 2021, 1.7% in 2022 which means that Justin Jefferson is one of the most valuable players in the NFL relative to what he is making like in terms of the actual value against the cap i think you could argue that patrick mahomes on a rookie contract where one year of mahomes's salary was less than a 30 second super bowl commercial that is a pretty damn good deal for patrick mahomes and now that patrick mahomes is on the first year of his big extension i think the argument can pretty concretely be made that justin jefferson is the best value player in the nfl he is the number one receiver in the league. Again, I listed those, uh, those four names or five names of the top receivers in the NFL. Devontae Adams has a big contract. Stephon Diggs, as we said, made 31.5 over three years, which is actually pretty good value for Stephon Diggs. That number is about to go up dramatically for Buffalo on his third contract, but for the most part, that's pretty good value for Stephon Diggs. Then you have Cooper Cup who is uh, now on a larger contract. He's actually been a pretty good value, but not the value of Justin Jefferson. And of course, Tariq Hill, who was on his second contract and just got a third contract that makes him the highest paid receiver in the NFL. And Justin Jefferson's headed towards that contract after this season. As it stands right now, that three-year deal for Justin Jefferson is the best that you are going to find in the NFL. Quite possibly any position. Quarterback might be the only position more valuable than the wide receiver within this context. You could argue maybe a star edge rusher like a Micah Parsons might also be in this group. As the best edge rusher and defensive player of the year, while also on a rookie contract, there's only a handful of names you could point to that aren't Justin Jefferson being the most valuable player in all of the NFL because of the immediate impact that he had once he got to Minnesota. So Minnesota saved a bunch of money for a player who's arguably putting up slightly higher production, if not equal production, to Stephon Diggs. Where this flips is when you look at the quarterback position. And you could go down the line with all of these rosters, but specifically I want to articulate the quarterback position. Because Kirk Cousins, as we mentioned when he got his big contract from Minnesota, also got another big contract that was kind of stupid from Minnesota. So Kirk Cousins' first deal when when Jefferson got there was 2021 and 2022. It was a two-year contract for $66 million, fully guaranteed. And this last year, this season, Kirk Cousins is making one year and $31 million. Kirk Cousins, over those three seasons, occupied 14% of the Minnesota Vikings cap space, which makes him one of the highest cap percentage players in the NFL. Kirk Cousins is arguably one of the most expensive players in the NFL relative to the salary cap. I mean, it's not even an argument. It's The argument is whether he is the most expensive player relative to the cap in the NFL. And I believe only Ryan Tannehill and Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson were the only people ahead of him. And so Kirk Cousins, making up 14% of the salary cap space, helps Minnesota compete when they have one of the great values in the NFL of Justin Jefferson, only making 1.2, 1.6 and 1.7. When Kirk cousins is making 10 times as much money as Justin Jefferson, because Justin Jefferson's three year average is 1.5% against the cap. And Kirk cousins is 14% when he's making nine to 10 times as much as Justin Jefferson. That's how the value ends up balancing out, which brings us to Buffalo and Josh Allen who's been on a rookie contract the last three seasons. He had his third, fourth, and fifth year so far. And like I said before, this is the most even trade after three years. New decisions will change that because Josh Allen is about to make $40 million against the cap. And Stefan Diggs is about to make over uh, 8% to 9% to 10% of the Bills' salary cap. But for right now, Josh Allen is making $32.5 million over those 3 seasons, almost equivalent to Diggs. Diggs was making 31.5, Allen's making 32.5 over the last 3 seasons. And Josh Allen's salary cap space hit according to overthecap.com is 5.4%, which for a player who almost won MVP in 2020 and might win MVP in 2022, that's a pretty damn good value for Josh Allen. So Josh Allen being 5.4% and Diggs being 5% equals 10.4% again of their salary cap made up by those two players. Whereas Kirk Cousins is making up 14% of Minnesota's cap space. So Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs worked out perfectly. Now the argument could be made Buffalo would be in an even better position if they had 5.4% of their cap going to Josh Allen and only 1.5% going to Justin Jefferson. I think that is a fair point and a valid point to make, although at the same time, you're betting on the proposition that Justin Jefferson would have been able to immediately replicate his production in Buffalo and that Justin Jefferson would have helped the development of Josh Allen in a way that makes him the value that he is. And again, it's hard to quantify exactly what that would be. Perhaps... Buffalo would be even better with Justin Jefferson, although it's hard to quantify being better than Stephon Diggs. Stephon Diggs has literally made All-Pro in two of his three seasons in Minnesota, or in Buffalo, and has made a Pro Bowl in every season. And is going to go for fifteen hundred yards in two of those three seasons, and a thousand yards and a hundred receptions in all of the seasons he's been there. It's hard to quantify being any better than Josh Allen or than Stephon Diggs is. And anything better or worse is a bit of a semantics argument. Both of them are two of the three best receivers in the NFL. The only discrepancies in numbers are a byproduct of the offenses that they play in, which are both high-octane offenses, and both of them are maximizing their skill sets as well as could possibly be in football. So the argument could be there, but I think the flip of Allen for Diggs I'm sorry, of digs for Jefferson was exactly what both of those teams needed because Minnesota was paying a lot of money for the quarterback position while Buffalo was only paying a moderately large amount. In fact, relatively speaking, a very low dollar value for the quarterback position. I mean, Josh Allen was making low-end starting quarterback money for the last three seasons, while Kirk Cousins was making high-end quarterback money for the past three seasons. And so getting a cheap first-round pick like Jefferson— and Stephon Diggs' is $31 million over three seasons going to Buffalo ended up being a way for Minnesota to maximize value while paying Kirk Cousins more money than he deserves. And so you look at that situation, and that's another reason that adds to why this is the most even trade in NFL history. They are two of the three best wide receivers in the NFL for a generation of three to four years Both of them added value to the teams when they needed it most, and it allowed both of those teams to compete in different ways than they would have had they stayed in the places that they were. Had Buffalo kept that pick, maybe drafted Jefferson, maybe not drafted Jefferson, if Minnesota had held on to Stephon Diggs, paying him 5% of their salary cap space while retaining Thielen and adding Patrick Peterson and building up that team back into a playoff contender and NFC North champion over the last three years, perhaps it would have looked different. And perhaps this was a circumstance in which it worked out perfectly based on the way those rosters were constructed and the way that those teams were going about. Add to the fact, like we talked about at the beginning, these are the two best wide receivers in the NFL, two of the elites. I'll go back to the stats one last time to close out this podcast yards in in the three years since the trade has gone down, Justin Jefferson number one, Stefan Diggs number three, receptions, Jefferson fifth, Diggs second, Jefferson first in yards per completion, yards per game, Justin Jefferson second, Stefan Diggs fourth, touchdowns, Jefferson 11th, Diggs fifth. You're looking at a situation in which both of these guys are two of the best receivers in the NFL, if not the two best receivers in the NFL. And they happened to get traded straight up for each other back in 2020. In a trade that I will attest, regardless of consequences of the next few years, for the three years that they've been together and the four years since the trade will have been conducted, it is the most even trade for both teams and one of the most successful trades in the history of the National Football League and perhaps the history of sports. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for stopping in here to the Take It Easy podcast. We have episodes every single day, Monday through Friday, as well as wired up on Sundays occasionally. Stay tuned for all of our content. We're going to have some Thanksgiving coverage coming up here in the next couple days. We're going to have a couple guests join us on the show. We're going to have all kinds of great, fantabulous content coming at you. In the meantime, once again, take it easy, everybody. We'll talk to you again. Tomorrow. Fires it's a wide open. Remarkable touchdown. Buffalo Davis again. You throw a fourth T D. On a dime, you ain't got no fear of any Colts or Dolphins Josh Allen gets Bills the wins You want to play the Chiefs And to beat Andy Reid and his schemes Avenging your past mistakes And take the Bills to the big game Three years, I thought you was phony Got digs, then you flipped it on me I was thinking you were Carson Wentz You made your mark, became an MVP Deep throws, always looking daunting Tossed up to Davis and McKenzie It's hard for teams to deny it When Allen beats double safeties You keep losing to Mahomes Sitting on the bench 13 to go Overtime coin flips turned up wrong Makes your season seem so marginal And this year you'll find a way Gonna get past Kansas City Allen and the Bills are gonna be Super Bowl champs 2023. Oh, I want to run the ball, don't want to slide, I just want to dive. Send me the call, and I'll throw the ball. I want to run the ball, don't want to slide, I'm just going to dive. Send me the call, and I'll throw the ball. You throw a fourth TD. On a dime, you ain't got no fear of any Colts or Dolphins, Josh Allen gets Bills the wins. You want to play the Chiefs and to beat Andy Reid in his schemes, avenging your past mistakes and take the Bills to the big game.